everyone. Welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. Very, very special guest today because I worked with this young man in Club Med Playa Blanca during the 95-96 winter season, an amazing season, but his first season, and he remembers the exact date, unlike most of you, okay? He started in Cancun on May 8, 1988 as an assistant traffic all right, in the beautiful village of Cancun, Mexico. And he recently stopped with Club Med, but we're going to get into all that. Without further ado, everyone, please help me welcome from Mexico, Salvador Cortez. Hey, Sal, how are you doing, sir? Hey, hello, Greg. How are you? I'm fine. Good to hear your voice after all these years. Yes, uh, thank you. It's uh, nice hearing you too. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So as I mentioned, you had just stopped uh, working for Clement. So I think you, you started in 88 and until 2022, correct? Correct. Okay, awesome. All right. So, well, you know how we how we do on the show. I think tell us like where you were living uh, at the time um, before Club Med. Like, what were you doing? Were you working? Were you going to school? And how did you first hear about Club Med? Okay, uh, then uh, I will start. Well, first of all, thank you uh, for inviting me, and welcome everybody to my first season with Greg. As you you heard already, Greg and I we worked together first in Playa Blanca, and then we worked in Watulco a few years later. And, uh, well, my first season was in Clement Cancun in 1988. That's uh, 34 years ago. And that season was interrupted by a hurricane, Hurricane Gilbert, which at the time was the, uh, I think it has been so far, historically, the, uh, the most destroying uh, hurricane of all um, in uh, modern history, or recorded hurricane history. But anyway, so uh, we can get to that uh, later on. And uh, before Clement, I was working uh, at the Pemex, which is the the Mexican oil company, Pemex. And uh, at that uh, area, I was uh, very well paid. I was a certified by fitting specialist. And I was also an instructor. And uh, at that time, it was, that was the money. And then at that time, I was also a professional mountain climber. Yes, mountain climber in Mexico. It's uh, Really? We have, we have, we have uh, high mountains in uh, central Mexico. We have... Um, in feet, I don't know, but it's in, in meters is more than 5,500 5, meters uh, higher than that mountains uh, just around Mexico City Valley. It's a Popocatepetan, it's like, see what, there's two volcanoes that are very high. And uh, believe it or not, I was specialized on ice climbing. So I was climbing ice, yes, okay. like two okay. hours away from oh. Mexico City. Okay, wait a minute. Where is there, yeah. I- where is there ice in Mexico? In, uh, there's two volcanoes uh, east of Mexico City. Really? Uh, one is Popocatépetl, it's friendly called Popo, and one is Iztaccíhuatl, also called as Ista. Oh, that's right. Yes, sorry. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they have, uh, well, they used to have permanent glaciers. Um, now, uh, like one year ago in July, yes, July last year, uh, one of the uh, glaciers from uh, these mountains uh, fell in a big, big portion, big chunks and that. So uh, we lost a big part of... Uh, ice from that mountain in uh so it's every every day is less ice there's a lot of snow because it's it's high the mountain is very high so uh this this season the summer is more snow than in the winter because there's more humidity and uh but it's a yes i was a professional mountain climber that's before climate and uh I, i didn't make much money in that one ice climbing but um it took me to different places like uh, Aconcagua, Mont Blanc in France, uh, the Druze also in the Mont Blanc Massif, the uh, Mont McKinley or Denali in Alaska, 
I'm you, very... cl- you climbed the Denali? Um, no, we couldn't uh, get to the top, but we went to other mountain, Mount Hunter. Okay. And uh, in Alaska also, it's a, it's a huge area. It's like that. So the glaciers I knew in Mexico or Argentina were nothing compared to Alaska. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a too much too much ice in Alaska, but it was a very, very nice experience. And uh, also I went to, uh, to France, to the Mont Blanc Massif. I went to Mont Blanc and also the Druze. It's a rock, the Druze is a rock climbing. It's like um, those needles that uh, you can see from Chamonix. Uh, those are the Druze. And um, it was also a very unique experience, like ours. Better than the ones I had in, uh, here in Mexico, because also do a lot of rock climbing, not only ice climbing or snow climbing. And uh, that was very good experiences, uh, the ones that with the mountaineering. I find this crazy that you, you, you're you from a beautiful, hot, tropical country and you and you sought out winter, whereas I'm from winter and I was trying to get to the, <laughs> to the yeah. you know, ca- Caribbean, whatever. But at any rate, so at, at what point did you, uh, did you first hear about Club Med is because you knew there were Club Meds in, in your country? Not really. That's I learned by, uh, about Club Med by accident, actually. Really? Because, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'll go to that. It's uh, Pemex was a very good money, but uh, Pemex, uh, the petroleum deal company, was um, on a stage that they were um, cutting a lot of uh, expenses and a lot of people. And I was not a permanent worker in there, so I was gonna be cut anyway. So before they cut me, I started uh, seeking for new horizons. So uh, because I I already uh, spoke English and French, I went to Waturco, which was a um, developing area okay uh sal you just dropped something very interesting here where did you learn french uh in a language school really you wanted to learn yeah. french yes uh, well, actually no it's uh, it's interesting because i always uh, i was always good on uh, english because here in mexico we have everything it's like uh, we're neighbors of the usa so uh, my father when i was younger he was subscribed to the magazine's life and uh, time at the time and uh, so it was always, it was in, in English. It, it was not uh, like now you can find time in Spanish or life uh, if it exists still. The last versions I saw were in uh, Spanish. But at that time, my father used to get the magazines in English. And I always had the contact of that. So um, and we always have dictionaries and uh, the access, the movies, they were not uh, dubbed like they are now. Uh, they were subtitled. So I had to, uh, kept on listening at that. And my father used to help me a lot with the, uh, whenever I didn't understand something, I would uh, have to figure out because there's a dictionary and they're like, but it's backwards. Yeah, but it's, uh, but the words are there. So you need to figure out uh, if sometimes the one thing is backwards or before the other one. So it's not a Spanish, it's a different language. So I picked up English and uh, then in high school and uh, junior high, you have to, um, to pick a language. And so it was English always in Mexico, it's always or mostly English. So I was very good at that. I, and then uh, I wanted to specialize or keep on uh, improving my English. I went to a language school, which is called Senlex in Mexico City. And then uh, they didn't have uh, any more, um, they, they actually, well, first they uh, made a, an exam for me and they said, okay, you can come into intermediate uh, group and then, uh, you can follow your uh, English from there, and then. Uh, but there's no room in any uh, of the um, of the courses. You have to wait till next uh, next course, which is in two months. 
then I had already planned that my afternoons were to be used in something useful. So I said, well, what are the languages you have? So well, we have French. Okay, so I'll start with French. So, and then I was just to pick up French for two months and then drop it and then continue with the English. But then uh, the two months came back, uh, came by and I liked French and I kept on French and then I actually skipped some uh, courses in French because I, I believe, I don't know, I was good at languages, I think. And then um, I finished English and French at the same time. Well, I improved my English that I really spoke. And uh, then I finished French at the same time. Well, this is so, very, very fortuitous because you're about to tell me how you started working for a French company. So, yeah. you know, so, okay. So, so sorry to cut you off before. So how did you no find out about Club Med? Yeah, no problem. It's, um, but then I, I went to Watulco, which was a developing uh, area at that time in the, in the eighties, they were building resorts and other things, uh, hotels and uh, different areas for the beach. And then I went to, um, uh, to Atulco, and then I found that the only actual resort was Club Med. And then I went in for two nights. Okay, so you were, a G- you were a GM before? I was a GM, yeah, like a walk-in GM. I was okay. not with a reservation, with a membership or anything. I just paid for two nights. And uh, at that time, they used to ask for the airline ticket as a guarantee for your uh, white card. The white card was a thing that uh, they gave you uh, with a piece of uh, white uh, cardboard with your name on, so you could uh, do some expenses at the boutique or uh, different things at the bar. There were no uh, bar premiums because you could buy bar beads at the time. So you have to pay at the bar with uh, plastic beads. So uh, I didn't have a ticket because I came by bus to Watulco, but I have my passport. So they took my passport as a guarantee. And then I stood for, for two days. And then I, they, I was, uh, when I first, in, went in with the village, I was shocked. I was impressed, shocked in a good way. I was impressed by all that friendship, by uh, the smiling and uh, the hello uh, and everything. So, and people from different places of the world. I saw there were people from uh, all over the place. At that time, there were not uh, so many Mexican geos as uh, there are now. And uh, it was very international team. And uh, later on, I would learn with Clomet, one of the uh, values of Clomet is the, uh, which is the, uh, oh my God, I lost it for one second. The multicultural part of Clomet. And then I liked the multicultural part of uh, that. And then I I decided I wanted to be part of that team. So um, I went to the human resources uh, person. And he told me, yes, you can become a geo, but uh, we cannot hire you here. You have to apply in Mexico City. And he gave me the address, the telephone. So uh, the next available day I had was uh, like a week later. And then I went to, um, to the offices in, in, in Mexico City. I had my resume and I applied. And then uh, they kept me with the person who was interviewing me was uh, coming and going from the office and said, just one second, because I may have the, uh, the uh, a job for you. Just one second. So, kept on coming like after like it seemed like three hours to me uh, I said well so we'll call you if we have something available for you then I thought well that's that was one of those jobs that uh, they will never call me back so uh, uh, with the girlfriend I had at that time we went to Acapulco that same night and uh, so when, when I came back from Acapulco it was a Thursday 
Thursday night, and uh, my mother told me, well, somebody's been calling you from, uh, from a company. What company? Clomet. Clomet Trane, actually, she told me. And uh, by that time, remember, it's in the 80s, so we didn't have cell phones or uh, any other means of communication, but just regular phone. So I went the next day, and then they told me, yes, we have a position for you. It will be assistant traffic in Cancun. So uh, your plane uh, leaves at 6. Oh, it's okay. Can I come back tomorrow for my ticket? No, your plane leaves at 6 in the morning. So I had to... Uh, Okay. <laughs> I thought, well, can I go back? I was like, yeah, just wait for your ticket and then you can go. Now, then, uh, uh, what do I do? Yeah. Well, wait, wait, just one second. So, so were you just, you just wanted, did you just want to work for Club Med so you would have taken any job? Like, had you, had you even thought about, hey, I'll be assistant traffic? Or is it just you took the first thing they offered you? I took the first thing they offered me. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, the, the, it was a funny thing because uh, when I was a professional mountain climber in the, uh, in the association, in the uh, let's say the uh, the company that I was, which was a nonprofit company, I was the public relations, and the public relations I used to do all the uh, schedules and the timing for the groups that we received from Poland or from uh, France, from Japan. We had people coming, and um, so I had to figure out for these people that I received in mountaineering, uh, what time their plane would be landing, what time would be leaving from uh, immigration and customs. Uh, what time uh, we'll be uh, getting our transfer transfer to um, to the hotel where they will be staying, and then what the, what type of transport is going to be a combi or a, because there were no vans at that time in Mexico it was a, the largest vehicle was a suburban which was expensive to rent or a combi which was a Volkswagen um, car. I was uh, but no air conditioning in those cars so it was stupid. So. Uh, I have to do the schedules for these groups and then I had to know what time they would be leaving from the hotel they were staying, what time they would be arriving to the mountain, what time we start work, walking to the to the place we were staying and uh, all, all those scheduling. So was my duty in uh, in in the mountaineering uh, Montañismo Organizado was the company or the association I was staying in. But then when I came to Clomet, it was a very similar job actually. But let me get first to how I got to Clomet Cancun was uh, a different thing. So they told me, yes, you, you leave tomorrow at six, your plane is at six, just uh, be there. So there'll be somebody at the airport in Cancun to take you to Clomet. Okay, so uh, I went, I packed, I, I left early in the morning to the airport, I took the plane, came to uh, Cancun, and then uh, I arrived and uh, yeah, the taxi driver was like, um, Anybody from Clomet here? Like, uh, no, there's like, there was only one terminal at that time in Cancun. Now there's four. Actually, there's five, but uh, we only count four. So uh, there was only one terminal and I uh, said, no, 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 there's nobody from uh, from Clomet. Nobody's come. And uh, so I was waiting and waiting and uh, nobody showed up from Clomet. So I decided, well, okay, I'll take a taxi. Okay, how much for a taxi to, to go to Clomet? Uh, oh, this much. Like, I don't remember the, the, the amount at that time because in Mexico, inflation has being um, very excessive at the time we, we lost one time we lost three zeros of the of the currency and at the time we had millions of uh, pesos so it was our salary and uh, thousands of thousands uh, one thousand pesos was like one peso of today uh, so i don't remember the amount they were charging me and said no so do you have a collective or a collectivo so we can share that right with somebody else oh yeah you just have to wait till we, we feel one of the of the combis and then you can go 
So it, it did happen. So we filled one of the uh, of these um, little uh, how do you say like it's like a it's a Volkswagen van, but it's like a very small one and very noisy with no air conditioning. And we're talking about Cancun in May. It's very hot. So because I was going to be the last one to take it off the uh, the car, so they put me all the way inside next to the to the engine because the engine in those cars is in the back of the car. So they put me there, no air conditioning again. So uh, then we stopped in a hotel downtown, another hotel in the middle of the hotel zone. And then at the end, they dropped me in Clomet. But then when the moment we entered to Clomet, it was, uh, it is like, a, to me, it was like coming into uh, the Fantasy Island from uh, the TV series. It was so beautiful. It was wild, but it was beautiful at, at that time, the, um, the landscape. There were not so many buildings like uh, now in uh, Clomet, and it was very, very nice and shocking for a person who I'm always used to being in the mountains and that, but not too much to the sea. And uh, beautiful places like like the sea in Cancun is a different thing from uh, the ones I had seen before. And uh, I was very impressed. But then I, I came to, there was no reception at this time. We're talking about, uh, there was the hostess desk was at the bar. So I came very early into um, into the resort. It was not even 9 a.m. And um, there was nobody expecting me. I went into all the way to the bar and the swimming pool. And there was nobody who stopped me from, uh, hey, where are you going or anything? No security person. And then until one um one person who happened to be the um, the chief of uh, human resources at the time, she came to me like, um, "Are you new?" Yeah, yes, I'm. I'm new. I was. Uh, and nobody picked me up at the airport. Like, uh, sorry, you were here to to do what? I'm going to be traffic assistant. Like, but we already have one traffic assistant. Like, well, they sent me as traffic assistant, so I don't know. So they uh, they didn't know I was coming because again, there's no fax, there's no cell phone. At that time, in uh, the village, there was no fax. And uh, so I, I came in, and so my job was pretty much the one that I was doing uh, at the mountaineering and montañismo organizado before. And uh, I, I liked it. Uh, that's when I came to, to Clomet. And then later on, I, I started doing uh, different things uh, during the season uh, because we had the entrance of restaurants. I was doing a lot of uh, decoration or uh, background for the entrance, and I was uh, preparing everything many times. And then uh, the chief of village at the time wanted me to become a set designer. Who, who was the chief, uh, uh, Francois Venin. Francois who? Venin. Oh, okay. V-E-N-I-N. Yeah, Francois okay. Venin was at the time. And um, so he wanted me to become a set designer, but... Uh, Really? Okay. Yeah, but then I was going to go to San Piper uh, in September, but then Hurricane Gilbert came and I stopped that thing anyway. And because it was uh, at that time, remember, there's no not so much organization. We, we didn't have computers. We didn't have a fax yet. Imagine in the village. The chief village one time told me, oh, we're working on getting one more extra line to get a fax facsimile. Like, what is a facsimile? Like, fax, it's a fax, a fax. Oh yeah, I know what a fax is. Like, it's a photocopy machine that you send one copy from here to another place. Yes, but uh, we need one more line. So imagine that's uh, how 
in the wild Cancun was at that time. So there was no, no telephone lines, no fax machine, no, no internet. And in 88 was the Club Med one of the first hotels on the strip? It was, uh, historically Club Med is one of the, the first two resorts in the, in the area. Okay. It's a, there were two resorts at, uh, Resort, resort, because there were all the smaller hotels that were before uh, these two. Clomet is one. The other one it doesn't uh, have the same name anymore. It used to be Camino Real. Camino okay. Real was at the uh, south point, uh, north point of uh, of the uh, Cancun Island, which is uh, Punta Cancun. And then Clomet was at the south point, which is uh, Punta Nisuc. And then Punta Nisuc, and they, they gave these two resorts uh, two full kilometers of uh, beachfront each to being uh, developed. And uh, so there, there was the first two uh, big resorts in uh, Cancun, yes, was Clomet and uh, Camino Real. But at the time, next to Clomet, there was nothing for like a, 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 a stretch of beach. And then was uh, some uh, villas, some villas. There were not uh, really uh, a hotel per se, it was some, some villas that people owned and uh, they came like maybe once a year to to use them and then they left. But there were not too many hotels at that time though. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask, what were the uh, major charters that you had that year in 88? Was it New York or Montreal or something uh, else? No, at that time, uh, Clomet, we used to have a lot of uh, flights with uh, Continental Airlines, but they were charter flights. Charter flights, we had a lot from uh, mostly... Um, Houston and Newark, oh, with Continental okay. Airlines. Okay. And uh, but then there, there were the charters. So because uh, it was mostly chartered, we, we didn't have uh, many on commercial airlines. Uh, and everything was like on the weekends at that time. It was Saturday and Sunday. And then the rest of the week, there was uh, mostly nothing for arrivals or departures. And remember, there was no reception at the time. It was the hostess. During the week, it was the hostess desk doing uh, everything. And then the weekends was, everything was in the theater. They, they set up for the planning and uh, the bank, they had these uh, chunky locks for the safe, safety box in the room. There was no combination yet. There was, uh, they had a, used a lock that came in, not uh, outside, but it just came in the, the box and then you kept the gear on your neck. And do you do you remember a lot from your first season, or is it or is it uh, mostly a blur? Do, can, can you remember vividly uh, some things? Yes, I do remember uh, uh, many passages from uh, from that season. Have, and, uh, have, have any funny stories from that from your first season? Uh, funny stories, actually, funny stories. Mostly the uh, hurricane. How we didn't know about the hurricane coming in. Okay. But uh, that's a thing. But funny, well, not funny things that at that time, now, you know, there's no more windsurfing in Clomet. And uh, I used to do uh, a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but I used to, I liked a lot uh, windsurfing because it was my first experience. And wait, I liked Wait it. a minute. You mean there was no windsurfing then or there's no windsurfing now? There's no windsurfing now in any resort in Clomet. What? What? Oh, hold on. Why? I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. But I did it, not. It, it's actually I, been like, um, like, Two or three years that we don't have any. Oh, okay. Research. I haven't been yeah. since 2010. So, okay. No, I did no, not. No, I did not know. Uh, no, it's uh, uh, well, a lot of people don't know, and uh, it's like yeah. a water skiing. There's more water skiing in Cancun. Yeah, 
Okay, interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, so, uh, but then I was, I, I was practicing a lot of windsurfing and I I got my, the Club Med had their own uh, geo team for scuba diving at that time. And uh, I got certified, I got my Club Med certification. I, I was, I was, I have always been a very bad swimmer, but at that, that time I was even worse than I am now. I, then I, I got certified in Clomet and uh, nobody even ever asked if I could swim or anything. It like, uh, just went in, took all the courses and because we had equipment and everything, like uh, I was always uh, safe. So um, without really knowing how to swim, I got certified in scuba diving in Club Med at that time. But uh, the hurricane was a different story though. Very, very different. Because as I told you, there's there was no um, no, no faxes. No, 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 so you had no, no you had no warning that it was coming. No, 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 no warning, no television, uh, nothing because uh, you managed to get a TV. There was no cable, of course, you know, the, all the way down there. There was no satellite TV. But uh, whenever uh, somebody had a TV, you could only watch the uh, local channels, which was like only from from 4 to uh, 10 p.m. And that was it. But anyway, so we didn't have any warning about uh, this hurricane coming in. Uh, but uh, early one morning, I felt on the, on the window a lot of rain coming in to the window, actually, like uh, if they were uh, putting it horizontally, say, uh, and then uh, stopped for like five minutes, and then uh, next five minutes again, uh, something's wrong here. So I took in a in a gym bag, I took one set of uh, clothes for one extra day, uh, some deodorant, and uh, some dry shoes. And uh, so I went to work to to the office. At that time, where there were no no uniforms, we used to work seven days a week, and there were, we had no uniforms. I was in a sandals, shorts, and a tank top going to the office. That was my my outfit for the office in traffic. And um, we had access to the public. The public came uh, to the office directly. So I said, well, something's wrong. So I'm going to get wet uh, eventually this afternoon. And then uh, I will get my, my clothes now. So uh, I will not be coming back to the room all wet. So uh, by doing this, I went to the office. I left my gym bag in the office. And then um, the, our public relations person was the one who uh, was working at the telephone, the standardist. The, we had a telephone booth where you had uh, one person dialing for you to call uh, whatever you were going to call New York, uh, Houston, Mexico City, Paris. Then you gave the number to this person. They will dial the, uh, this number for you and say, okay, booth number three. And then, then you go to booth number three and then I pick up the phone there and then uh, you can talk. Antonio at that time, who was the uh, our PR, he he came to us like, I need your car because why? Where it's like, I, I need to go uh, to a meeting. There is a meeting now because there is a hurricane coming and uh, nobody told us. Okay, so um, he took the car, he went with a, with a, the actual PR, which was a Belgian guy who didn't speak any, well, speak very small English. And then later on, he became a chief of village. So uh, they went to this meeting in, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the hotel zone. And then they came back uh, like two hours later and said, uh, we have to evacuate now. 
we're they're gonna give us shelter in a in a hotel downtown and then we're gonna spend the night there and then we'll see what happens tomorrow in traffic we so it was a, it was a Thursday I believe so we didn't have any we, we started calling the bus company and the bus said we don't have any buses they are all busy they are taken the chief of traffic told us uh, the two assistants me and Antonio said you need to go downtown or whenever wherever you want to go you just uh, take a taxi go downtown and come back uh, tell the buses that we will pay whatever they want to uh, to get paid and uh, we need to evacuate people at 3 p.m from here to the Hotel America in downtown so um, so we went to downtown I went to um, different places different offices that I knew they would be uh, placed or uh, the addresses I knew I went in I asked for buses they didn't have any so uh, went to a different one they didn't have any I I looked for many things and couldn't find any bus available so um, I went back to the village and then when I was coming in, I saw the, um, the staff bus, the, um, the bus that uh, even was were marked with a Clomet logo, was going off the village empty. That I asked, I asked the taxi driver, okay, block, this, block the street, please. And then uh, I got off the, uh, the taxi, went to the driver, told him, where are you going? I'm going home because they told us uh, we're not going to bring any more shifts come to, for today, so I have to go home. Uh, no, 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 you're not going home. You're going to turn around, and then you're going to go to the main reception, and you're going to take one load of passengers to uh, that resort in, in downtown. And then from there, you can go home. Okay, so uh, I paid the taxi. I went with the driver uh, to the, um, not what today is the reception, which was at the time was the uh, arrival and departure area. It was a big, big uh, square. Now it's uh, the reception. And then uh, I took the bus in and then uh, Antonio had managed to get one more bus. And then uh, this bus uh, got filled with uh, people and then went to the hotel and came back actually to the resort, came back to Clomet and uh, did uh, three full trips, this, um, this bus that I managed to stop at the exit of the, uh, of the resort. So uh, at the end, when we started uh, doing this the traffic, looking for buses, the kitchen was preparing uh, different kinds of sandwiches, uh, peanut butter with jelly and uh, tuna salad uh, sandwiches. They were packing all the water available, uh, or they they had in bottles to uh, to be picked up and uh, taken to to that shelter that we were gonna have. Uh, the nurses also were uh, packing all the uh, all the medication or uh, or things for uh, first aid uh, we might need at the at the uh, other uh, place where we were gonna stay. And um, and then uh, we finished uh, the last bus left the resort about. Uh, 6 p.m., which was at the time was very, very dark already. It was like a, a night already with the hurricane coming in. So at that time, we didn't have keys in the in Clomet. We didn't have keys for their rooms. You could lock the room from inside. So uh, they told us, okay, go grab a, a set of uh, clothing, dry clothing for you to, to have something to wear tomorrow or the next few days and then uh, put your valuables in your safe and, and come back to the reception. So I had done already that before I went to the office. So I didn't have to go back to my room. And then I, I went on the last bus that left Clomet about 6 p.m. as I told you. And um, then we had to stay the, during the hurricane. They put us in a conference um, room in uh, that hotel. 
And at that time was low season. So we had only 450 guests plus about 120, 130 geos because the scuba team was very large team. We're like 18 geos, mostly French. And uh, we didn't have mini club teams or uh, anything. That was adults village at that time. And uh, this conference room was one of the sides of the conference room faced the, uh, the garden of the resort was all glass windows from uh, bottom to ceiling. From, from the floor to the ceiling were glass and we had a hurricane coming in. So when uh, the forces of the hurricane started uh, coming in uh, strong, uh, we had mattresses on the floor and tables, of course, for the food and uh, different things. Uh, we had to put the, and hold also, we had to turn, to take turns to, to be holding the mattresses and the tables to, to hold the, uh, the glasses so they would not collapse in, inside the resort. And we had all these uh, debris with uh, palm trees and uh, things flying around. It was uh, a very, uh, very a strong experience. I would not say sad or uh, happy or anything. It's just a strong experience. Was, uh, a hurricane is something that, that uh, you don't really want to experience, really. No. No, no, I've had five and uh, yeah, I, if I never go through one again. I'll yeah, be happy. I, yeah. <laughs> and at that time I became like an expert of uh, evacuations and on that we can get to that later because we had a hurricane in, in Columbus Island in uh, 2004 and then we had a hurricane here in 2005 and uh, we had hurricanes like in between uh, like a, a few years before and then uh, one year later of uh, Wilma, a different thing. So I... Well, I live in a, here in Cancun, and we are in a hurricane path. So it's most likely that I will have more hurricanes, but not in Clement anymore. Okay, so I see by the list of villages that you sent me, in 92-93, you were in Club uh, Maeva, uh, Mayan Beach and Manzanillo. Can you just briefly explain? Because I, I, I recall Club Maeva, but what, what was it exactly? Club Maeva, Aquarius, and um, other villages, that's I right. believe. Aquarius, yeah. okay. That's Aquarius. Right. They... They used to be part of Club Med, and they had the same system or a very similar system of, as uh, Club Med did with the geos and the, uh, the tables, the sharing, and everything. Uh, Club Maeva in Mexico stopped being a, a Club Med uh, property in the early 90s, I believe. But uh, at that time, because they were debating on the, uh, the use of uh, the word geo, actually, but Maeva was... It had recently stopped being a Clomed um, franchise when I uh, joined Clomaeva in Mayan Beach, which was here in the Yucatan, and then uh, in Mazanillo, which is the, uh, the main uh, resort that they have always had. Uh, Maeva is, uh, well, I, for some reason, I stopped uh, Clomed, but then uh, in Maeva, they were paying uh, like twice the salary of a geo, actually. Okay. And, uh, they had different benefits and, uh, well, I don't know, like a savings uh, at the end of the year, they would give you uh, just all the, all the legal bonuses and everything that was uh, by law, plus a different uh, thing, so, which we didn't have in, in Clomet. So it was like, okay, so I'll, I'll see Clomaeva because right now there was, there was no um, village available for me. Okay. Because I, I wanted to go to Israel or to Switzerland because I was like, okay, I've been working uh, these many years with uh, Clomet, I want to go out. I want to go um, not to Bahamas or uh, here next door. I want to go uh, 
to Europe or Asia or Middle East. I wanted actually to, uh, to go to um, Israel or Switzerland. I want to wither to the mountains or to, uh, to Israel. So um, I, I didn't have any, any, any village available for me. And uh, so I went to Club Maeva. And then in Maeva, it's very similar, as I said, to, uh, to Clomet. Then uh, similar, but, and then on uh, the other hand, it's uh, quite different. But they don't have, uh, not everybody's a geo or uh, the same organization. The, the, the resort is uh, one thing. The rooms, the uh, housekeeping, maintenance is uh, one thing. But then the entertainment and the sports and mini club, it's uh, a different thing. So all the staff of uh, mini club, entertainment and uh, sports, they are there were geos at the time. And then um, I was a geo for uh, public relations. Public relations, I was in charge of the hostesses and the uh, all the information in the resort at the time. And also I was my MC in all the shows. I mean, all the shows is all the shows because in Mayan Beach, I was the only one who spoke French of all the geo team. Uh, all the whole the geo team were like uh, were like twenty five actually. It was a very small uh, resort, and then as I told you, maintenance and uh, all the hotel staff. They are um, hotel staff; they're not uh, geos. So in that, um, in uh, I was uh, in Mayan Beach in Telchac here in the Yucatan. I was uh, uh, excursions chief of excursions and master of ceremonies. Of course, I was MC and uh, chief of excursions which was, I, I had learned a lot from um, from Clomet also because I, in two seasons, I was uh, chief of traffic and excursions at the same time. Not two salaries, just the same salary, but two, two positions. I was chief of traffic and chief of excursions in Eleuthera and in Sonora Bay. So in uh, Sonora Bay, it's the place where I actually learned how to budget uh, my expenses and uh, things. So that's what I was doing in, in in Maeva in Yucatan. And then Masani was public relations, mostly managing the, the teams of uh, the hostesses for the restaurants and the uh, and different things that had to do. The information in the village that had to be correct, uh, everything uh, passed by correctly and mastering of uh, ceremonies. I was emceeing the shows. That was uh, Club Maeva actually, but then came back always to, to Club Med. Okay. So, yeah, I want to just briefly talk about 94. You were in Columbus Isle. So I understand you did the, the third season after the opening. So I have two questions to you about Columbus Isle. Uh, at that point in time, was it the most uh, beautiful Clamed you had seen? At that time, it had been the most beautiful village I had seen. And it's still the most beautiful village I have seen in Clamed. Agreed. My second question is, since you're a traffic <laughs> response mm-hmm. to traffic, did you not love that it was the shortest ride of any village to the airport ever? You must have liked that, right? I mean, after all those years in Cancun, Huatulco, Paradise, <laughs> it was a dream, yeah, it, right? Uh, <laughs> it actually, it was, uh, I hated it, actually. What? Why? Uh, the last seasons, uh, we have charter flights from Paris. And uh, because we have 300 people or more at that time, uh, we had to fill the buses to get from uh, the airport to the reception. Yeah. So uh, uh, to fill one bus with 60 people, and uh, we're talking about uh, the Bluebird school buses. Mm-hmm. And you know the room, like you have to fit two, 
two adults in a in a two seater. Yes, it's, it's almost impossible in a bluebird bus. It's like uh, those are for children. <laughs> so um, and then by the time it gets to fill these buses with no air conditioning and um, a lot of people used to walk from the from customs or from immigration from the airport. They used to walk like I'm going to walk to the village. Okay, yeah, just walk. Yeah, okay. yeah, so yeah, pulling their luggage behind them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, actually the the luggage uh, from the charter flights, the luggage came directly to the resort. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, they just uh, the customs agent just go uh, check the the trolley carts and check. Okay, so would say randomly, okay, put this back down, put this back down, and put this back down. Okay, and those are the only ones inspected, and they didn't have any irregular they would take him back and then uh, everybody would pick up the luggage in the um, in the theater of Clamet actually so uh, it was a very um, long process also to get everybody from the from the airport which is like 10 minutes walking to the reception and uh, it was they took more than 10 minutes to fill one bus and then uh, drive three minutes to the yeah <laughs> reception was like what we're there already yes okay he's like <laughs> okay so um so the second time they came they didn't take the bus so they they walked i also hated um in a way columbus isle because um they don't have one daily flight from nassau there's no one flight per day they and then many times they would prefer to carry tvs or uh, boxes of the local people instead of taking luggage. Yeah, so the tourists, they don't understand that the tourists are the ones that are paying uh, for uh, okay, yeah. the so, and everything. And they, they decide to bring uh, to the island the boxes or uh, the TVs that people, the local people have to bring. So instead of traffic, it didn't, it didn't make your job any easier? Uh, no, because uh, as I said, there's no uh, daily flights from Nassau. Yeah. So if there's no daily flights, that, uh, the luggage uh, will st be stuck in Nassau. And then uh, they say, no, no, your luggage uh, is not coming until Thursday. Like, what? It's only Monday. Yeah, but there's our next flight on Thursday. There's nothing we can do. And also uh, the, pro the problem. I my luggage now. Like, well, you can't have it now. The, the problem also then, like why was there 96, was the runway wasn't long enough for the bigger planes, right? So yeah, you, that's, only, um, you can only land so many people in a yeah, size plane. Yeah, we have the, uh, the ATR, the uh, American Eagle flights. Yeah. which was at the, at the time when I came in um, to Clement in uh, 94 in Columbus Isle, that airport was so new to the uh, people in the Florida area that uh, when they had people coming to San Salvador, the name of the airport of the island is San Salvador. Yes. And um, so whenever we had we, many cases, we had that the luggage, instead of coming to, um, to San Salvador, Bahamas, the luggage went to San Salvador, El Salvador. Yes, and some guests actually wound up yeah. in El Salvador. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I also know that uh, they, people were sent also <laughs> to Providence in uh, Rhode Island instead of Providenciales. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> some people get to all the way to El Salvador instead of getting to uh, El Salvador, yeah. San Salvador, Bahamas. Yeah. And then uh, the funny thing is that the person in charge of luggage in uh, San Salvador for American Airlines, his first name was Salvador also. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. So I am Salvador calling from San Salvador. Oh, my God. Okay. Calling to El Salvador, to San Salvador, <laughs> to El Salvador in the... In the uh. So it was like, a, like a, hello, uh, I'm Salvador calling from San Salvador. Uh, like, wait, 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 wait. Like, hello, my name is Salvador Cortez. I'm calling from San Salvador in the Bahamas. 
I'm calling uh, yes, what again? Like uh, okay, repeat. And then uh, yes, uh, we had some people, and we had the luggage was misdirected. It was sent to uh, to El Salvador instead of here. The luggage was to be sent to um, uh, Sierra Sulu Alpha instead of uh, Sierra Alpha Lima. Was the 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 name of the airport was SDA uh, instead of SAL. So. Uh, so yeah, we have some luggage here that uh, doesn't belong here, but they're like, okay, we have to send it back to Miami, but it has to, when, when, once it gets to Miami, it needs to be 48 hours in quarantine because it's coming from Central America. Okay, so, <laughs> so they would send the luggage uh, like uh, the next day, and then uh, two days later, immigration and customs would, would uh, liberate the luggage to be sent from uh, Miami to Nassau to Nassau to uh, San Salvador, but at the same time, there's no flights every day. From uh, Miami to Nassau, yes, but uh, not from Nassau to San Salvador. And um, so that created a problem. So like people saying, okay, just leave my luggage in Miami. Don't they tell them not to bring it to, to the Bahamas. It's going to get lost. So um, it was uh, it was difficult when it was just the ATRs at the, at the beginning uh, we're dealing with the luggage sent to El Salvador because it was a lot of luggage. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but uh, but now uh, once uh, we had the long runway, as I told you, we had charter flights from Paris, and then we had at times the full charter just for us, three hundred sixty people, just for Clomet in one flight. Yeah. Let's jump to uh, when I met you in '96 in Playa Blanca, '95, '96. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have two things because you always struck me as someone who always knew his job, very professional, you know, you, you never wavered. You could handle any problem. I remember the first time I had to go to uh, Puerto Vallarta with Vladimir mm-hmm. Circus. It was a three hour trip, I believe, roughly uh, yeah. uh, down a road that is never straight. Okay. We, we get there and I'm, I'm already knackered. And I thought we thought we would have time to freshen up, go to the bathroom, whatever you handed us. I remember this vividly. You handed Vlad and I each a bag of McDonald's and you sent us right back the way we came with a bus, <laughs> a bus load full of uh, tourists and uh, coolers of Corona. Okay. <laughs> so luckily I only had to do that, that run once, but did you know that I have to shout out this geo? I don't know if you remember Tim Wilcox from snorkeling. Of course I do remember. Yeah. The, uh, he routinely, do you know what he did? Like maybe you you knew. Like he took it upon himself to for that run, that Port of Ida run, he would actually jot down the street sign and the time he passed it for three hours. He did this and he passed this out to geos that were uh, going to do Playa Blanca Puerto Vallarta. So when the guest asks how far away are we, well, he would we would pass a sign. He'd say, "Okay, you're 43 minutes away from the village." Did you know that he did this? Like no, he, not really. he actually, yeah, he actually sat there on the bus one run because he always did that run and wrote down each street sign and the time he passed it. So he would be able to tell the guest how further, how much further away they were by a street sign. Right. Yeah. And he did the same for Manzanillo. But the impressive one is that that nasty, whatever, six hour bus ride, you know, <laughs> there and back. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know if uh, you ever encountered a geo uh, during your traffic days that actually took the time to do that. So. No, not really. It was uh, Tim was a very uh, active geo. Like uh, he was in uh, sound or uh, light, I don't know. But he was also doing aerobics uh, by the pool sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot. Yeah, yeah, he was also a certified uh, scuba instructor as well. But I, I knew him as uh, yeah, a snorkeling, uh, snorkeling geo. Um, okay. uh, let me just take a t- time a second here. Like, would you like to uh, shout out anyone like you know that you enjoyed working with? Like anyone that 
comes to mind, like, uh, you know, could be a chief of village, chief of service, anyone that you liked and enjoyed working with? There's some, uh, uh, chief of village, there's, uh, there's quite a few that I really enjoyed uh, and became uh, good friends with. What's here? Uh, like like uh, Lulu. Lulu, I worked with uh, Lulu in Playa Blanca. And then uh, later on, I worked uh, two seasons in Turks and Caicos and then two seasons in Huatuco. So we were three villages together, uh, three Christmases together. Uh, we actually, uh, yes, I believe we became, uh, we became uh, good friends. And, uh, but then uh, at that time, remember when we stopped Clamet, there was, uh, in, when she left in 99 from, um, from Watuco at that time, Facebook had already started, but I believe, but uh, not in the way that it's now. And uh, we didn't have any social media or uh, just the uh, email address I had that doesn't work anymore for her. And, uh, but uh, we were in touch for a while until, uh, well, we stopped. But the memorable villages, I remember uh, Playa Blanca. The first time I was in Playa Blanca was in 89. Uh, we had a, a Belgian chief of village, Luke Distelmans. Uh, Luke was um, Belgian origin, but he always, um, he had spent a lot of time in Brazil. And uh, whenever he cursed by himself or uh, to anybody, he cursed in Portuguese. Uh, he was uh, a funny guy, but then what I'm uh, coming to is like, uh, he was excellent in animation. He was a very good comedian, a stand-up comedian. Uh, he could do uh, solo shows with no problem. He had the, the entire Geo team on stage uh, for a, what is called a Luke's band. And uh, I was singing actually live <laughs> in, the, in the show. In, um, but uh, Luke also had a thing for Batucadas. So we had uh, this Brazilian fiesta every Friday night before uh, the big arrival and departure uh, day. Uh, we had these Batucadas uh, and then uh, one time he decided, okay, so we'll just organize uh, two teams with batucadas, like uh, like Olympic Day. Let's say, okay, so uh, we have the uh, this team and the other team. So he decided, okay, so you will be in charge of the batucada this week, and then you and the other for the other batucada for this. So uh, he just gave random people like, okay, so uh, whatever we needed for material in the uh, backstage and that, so we could borrow as much as possible. And also we had to sign for it because we had to the, bring it back. And it uh, was a very, very uh, successful uh, season, that one. And that was uh, a summer, actually. was I believe was the last summer Playa Blanca was open because uh, it was too hot and uh, too much rain, too much flooding in the uh, disco or uh, other places. Any other chief of villages you enjoyed working with? Let me see. Yes, I, as I said, many other ones. Um, Gus, there's uh, this uh, Australian guy, Gus. Gus yes. yes. Yeah, Gus. I met Gus as a, uh, uh, we met him in Playa Blanca as an right. uh, animator, actually. He was uh, in the animation, then uh, also in uh, in Turks and Huatulco. And we was then a chief of village in, uh, in Cancun. He was a fun person, responsible guy. He was... Um, much into it, but like it was mostly fun. His uh, because he he gave you responsibility and uh, he was not over you, like um, 
in a different, in a strong manner, like a rude manner. He he knew you were able to do some things, and he would encourage you to do the things. He would not be on your back like, oh, you have done this thing, and uh, you haven't done this that. No, no, it's like a, he uh, he let you be actually. He he knew uh, what uh, people were able uh, to do, and uh, he let them do, and no, uh, not too much about that. So was uh, most of the uh, season with him was a fun uh, season, actually. Any others? Let me see, because uh, I worked, um, I repeat with uh, many ones, but I uh, was like, uh, just by yeah. chance. Yeah, because you, you must have you must have worked with, like, I'm sure Hammer, you must have worked at, at some point, and Kevin Bad, yeah. you know, I'm, okay. I worked with Hammer was uh, Chief of Sports, when Handel was Land Sports, and uh, then Chief of Sports. Oh, wow. Uh, that, must have been yeah. Can- that must have been Cancun, right? I'm guessing. Uh, with uh, Hammer was in Turks and Caicos. Oh, okay. Turks. Uh, yeah, before, yeah, when uh, Lulu uh, came, uh, Hammer was leaving. And um, let me see, uh, Handel was, where we were with Handel last, last sports? Uh, uh, no, actually, it was uh, Turks. He was uh, last sports. He became uh, chief of sports then. Well, let me, let me ask then. you a, a side question because even though this episode will air later, we are recording this on July 14th, which as you know, in France is Bastille day. So when I came to club med, I'll say this very quickly. I didn't know anything about Bastille day. We were celebrating. I didn't know what was going on. So do you remember when you saw your first Bastille days, because maybe you'd already been to France, uh, mountain climbing, you already knew about Bastille day or was it, were you surprised by the festivities or not at all? I was surprised by club med doing a, something that big in uh, in Mexico because I was in uh, here in Cancun and uh, we have these uh, all these costumes set uh, the night before and they told you okay so they were preparing a, a castle made out of cardboard and uh, pieces of wood to be set on the beach and uh, that'll be the Bastille and uh, people would be uh, getting to to there with a uh, with a uh, flower bumps that the bumps were like uh, yeah, it is a regular napkin That's with right. a hand uh, with a spoonful of, of uh, flour, and then uh, just tie it, uh, and then that will be the the bump. So whenever it, it just you will throw it, and um, whenever it lands to anybody, it well, would break up and uh, with a lot of uh, dust. Yes, I was I was not shocked, but I was impressed that uh, Clomer did something that big in uh, in Mexico. Like a, okay, so there's no. We didn't have those many French at the time because French had to go to Cancun through Mexico City. We didn't have direct flights from France at the time. So uh, they had to come through Mexico City, all the French uh, GMs, uh, spend one night in Mexico and then come to Cancun the next day. So uh, it was uh, it was a nice experience. It, it was a good uh, thing that uh, Clomed would go, a French company would go through all that to uh, to have their guests uh, happy, actually. Okay, Sal, uh, since you worked from 88 to 2022, this question might be difficult for you, or it might not be. I was curious if there was one village in particular that you that you worked at that uh, was special in some way or, or magical in some way. Can you, do you have a season uh, and a village where it was different from all the others? The, uh, not the village of the, uh, not the seasons actually, but the village itself, it's, um, Playa Blanca, I think it was the uh, Which year? the best climate. Yeah, it was the the most uh, climate climate for me because it was everything was together. Uh, it was a very quaint, uh, like a very small uh, Mexican 
Okay, so so no particular year, just the just the village. Oh, and, no, just, just the village. Yeah, okay. the, the village itself. The, yes, the buildings, everything, everything was together. The offices on the ground floor. Then we have the uh, the main lobby with the bar, and the swimming pool on the next uh, level. And then on top of that, we have the main restaurant. And then uh, just coming from the bar, the next to the to the bar and swimming pool, you have the dance room. You have the uh, the theater. And then next to the theater and the swimming pool, also you had the dance for the, uh, the the disco, the nightclub, and uh, everything was all in uh, one same area, and uh, it was very nice. The uh, the setting of uh, a quaint, a very uh, nice uh, cobblestone uh, Mexican pueblo, Mexican town. It was a very very nice setting to me. There was the uh, the perfect village was uh, actually Playa Blanca. I would agree. For such a uh, small village, it seemed to be very centralized. And yeah, it's I, so many people have very fond memories of Playa. Yes, and I'm, I'm one of them for sure. And now my last question to you would be, if I've forgotten to ask you anything or if there's any and more people you'd, you'd like to shout out, uh, you know, pl- please take the time. Uh, no, not really. I uh, just uh, would like to, uh, to thank to uh, the first uh, Geo that actually helped me a lot and uh, still we're very friends uh, with him nowadays. He still works for Clomet, Antonio Fernandez Garelli, Juan Antonio Fernandez Garelli. He works with uh, Clomet Human Resources in Miami. Yeah, that's uh, he's, he's the person who helped me a lot. Uh, my first season, we were both uh, traffic assistants. It was his second season, was my first season. So he helped me a lot. Uh, we went through a lot uh, during uh, that hurricane uh, Gilbert in that uh, time. And then uh, the rest that uh, we crossed paths, paths only because we never worked together again because we were both uh, chiefs of traffic and uh, we didn't work together anymore. But uh, we have crossed in many uh, meetings and that. And uh, that's uh, actually the person I would like to thank because he helped me a lot um, becoming uh, a geo in Clement. Oh, that's very nice. Well, I, I do want to thank you for sharing your story with us, Salvador, and, and taking the time uh, out of your day to come on the show. I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for uh, giving me time to share my things uh, with everybody. Thank you, everyone. So that was uh, Salvador Cortez from Mexico. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Sal. Okay, bye-bye.